So this morning we're going to continue our thoughts on God is able. You know, we've looked at this for a number of weeks and um, you know, if you're here for the first time or you're here visiting with us or you're here and you've not been up to date, um, it, today is, is, is just an, an individual word amongst a series of thoughts. And in my Bible, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 1, we'll get there eventually. Don't bother putting it up there just yet. Thank you. Um, Hebrews chapter 1. In my Bible, the opening title. Now, I, I'm not one for going for titles in the Bible normally. That's just added by men who have written these things in there. But when I saw it, I thought, ah, oh, that is good. And it's called God's Supreme Revelation. When you see when you see God's supreme revelation, you've got to take notice of what is about to be written. Because if this particular person, whoever wrote this in this Bible, thought this was God's supreme revelation, I believe as you read it, you'll say, yes, that is quite some revelation. This is quite something that God, what God is saying in his word to us through uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews. I want to say this, Jesus right now is upholding all things by the word of his power. He is upholding all things. He's upholding your life. He's upholding the planets. We saw that a few weeks ago. He's upholding the galaxies and the universe. He's upholding everything by the word of his power, the seasons, the sun, the moon, the stars. He's upholding your life. He has your life in his hands. Isn't that amazing? Whose hands would you prefer it to be in, your own or his? I would sooner my life was in his hands. I want to pray that we, will, we, we each one, will receive the revelation of God's supreme revelation to our heart this morning. So Father, I pray as we open up your word, I pray Lord that by your spirit you will reveal your word deep under deep. Lord, it will settle in our heart. We will get a revelation of this. You said that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And I pray as we've heard this week in, week out, over and over, that today we will understand the supreme revelation of your word in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bible with you, turn it to Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 3. And it says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things. He is heir of what? All everything. He is heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, the worlds that we see and the worlds that are beyond our galaxy. He made them all, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And it goes on, having become much better than the angels and all the rest of it. But this is an incredible passage that he upholds all things. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus was the word and the word became flesh. We know that as a truth in God's word. And he now is upholding. If we, if we take if we, take, um, if we take it to ourselves to live by our own means, 
when we take responsibility for our life. But when we say, I surrender my life to you, I give my life over to you, not just a part, but all of who I am. And again, as we've said, it's it's our families, it's our workplaces, it's our finances, it's our health. We surrender it all to him. Then he, through his word, has supremacy in our life. We enable God through our will. Or, like many who have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they hold on to their will and they don't give it to him. We have an awesome responsibility to yield to the things of God. When we see that he upholds all things by the word of his power, I, that, that, that puts Jesus in, Jesus in incredible position of being the sustainer of the whole universe. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. He is El Shaddai. He is omnipotent in all his ways. That's what we've been looking at. Therefore, God is able. But you know what? He now lives in you and me. This is where it gets quite mind-blowing. We know that I accepted Jesus in my life, you accepted Jesus in your life, but is that just a nice little fuzzy feeling, oh, I know I'm born again, I know I'm saved, or is there more to that than meets the eye? Because the same Jesus who walked the earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, giving ability to those who were without God, the ability to know him. If that same Jesus now lives in me, then the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in me also. And that should change our lives forever. Listen to this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. There's three things that I want us to pick out of this. Firstly, it says this, examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. I didn't say it's down to your wife or your, uh, your parents to decide whether you're in the faith. It says examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Three things I want you to really think on here. Examine, test, and know. Because you've got to examine your own heart. Have you truly accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you bowed the knee? Have you not only accepted him as Savior, he saved me from my sins, but I've made him Lord and Savior. He is now Adonai, Master, Lord, and Savior of my life. Or are you still the master of your own destiny? Are you still master of your own finance? Are you still master of your own choices? Or have you surrendered to him? This is so incredible. He says, number one, examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. If you examine yourself to know whether you're in the faith, it will totally change your life. Mr. Mr. You won't believe this, but Mr. What am I? What was I? I was Mr. What's the word? Mr. Shy, introvert, wouldn't say boo to a goose. Get me in a normal team meeting. I will be the quiet one in the corner. Simon can verify that. As a trustee of the church, we have a trustees meeting, and I'm quiet. I won't say a word. I think, I process, I pray, but I really get me here and under the anointing, and I'm a different man. 
And that's the difference. We've got to examine ourselves. My life was, was once in pubs and nightclubs and wanting to blow the kneecaps off of drug dealers, but God stepped into my world and changed my direction. He saved me, he healed me, he transformed me, and he's made me who I am. What I want to do in my life is to see as many as I can come to know the truth that sets them free and enables them to walk in all that God has for them. And now I'm a pastor that enables me to do that. What a joy. Examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. I can't determine whether you've accepted Jesus and that that accepting Jesus has changed your life. Only you know that. Only you know to the degree in which it's changed your life. It should be, this is how I was living my life. I repented of the things in my life and the sin, and I have turned 180 degrees, and now I'm following him. I once trusted in banks and building societies and my ability to earn money, but now I've turned around and I trust him, and therefore I still a diligent and a good steward of my finances, but I trust him. And by trusting him, I tithe and give to God what is his. I trust him with my family. I don't worry and I don't live in anxiety and and fear of what may happen to them. I trust God that his hand is upon their life. We can live by our own consequences and by our own failings and by our own ability, or we can trust God in the journey. I want to encourage every one of us, to to relinquish your control and allow his control to direct you and those around you. Here it says, examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. You know, the only time in, 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 in the word when it comes to finance, God says, test me in this and prove me that I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. But here he says, test yourself. We've got to test us. Do I really trust God? If I do, I'll pray about this. If I do, I'll trust what his word says about this. If I do, I won't walk in fear and anxiety in this. I trust him. And he says, test yourself. Where are you in this journey? Do we trust him? And then he says, do you know yourself that Christ or Jesus Christ is in you? We've got to get to that place that we know. That we know that we know. We've examined, we've tested, and we know. Because once we know, we will walk in the things that God intended. Once we know, we will believe God for miracles, signs, and wonders. When we know, we're believing for our health, that with long life will he satisfy me and show me his salvation. I will know that the goodness of God is following me every day of my life. That goodness and mercy shall follow you wherever you go, whatever you do. His favor is upon you. We will know that because we've tested it, we've examined our heart, and we know. I don't really want to encourage us to do some, if you like, some self-examination. Lord, here I am. Here's my heart. Is there anything in me, like David says, is there anything in me that I need to change, that I need to lay down, that I need to submit to you? Because once we do, there's no turning back. See, any Christian that says, well, I once followed God, but I walked away. 
No, no, no. When you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, there is no walking away. There is no falling back. There is no, I don't really want to do this anymore. Oh, it was just an emotional. No, no. When you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, there's no wanting to go in another direction. The faithfulness of God. God can do beyond our imagination. Ephesians 3.20, that's the scripture we've been looking at. He can do the impossible. He can heal the incurable. He can do the unachievable and the unbelievable. Why? Because he's God. He is El Shaddai. He's omnipotent. He is almighty God. He's the one in whom we lean and rely. He's the one in whom we serve. He's the one that we've bowed the knee to. So today we're going to look at this. There is no place too hard for the Lord. We've looked at no promises too hard for the Lord to fulfill, no prayer too hard for him to answer. Today, there's no place too hard. There's no place. You know, some people, we, we used to do church over in Harbway. And just because the name of the place is Harbway, people used to say, well, it's a hard place for the Lord to move. Get over it. There's no place too hard for the Lord. Just because it's called hard way doesn't mean it's hard. Some people say, oh, the new forest, oh, there's so many covens and so many witches that are such a hard place. No, there is no hard place for the Lord. There may be consequences, there may be influences, but there's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's no place. You may look at your workplace and say, oh, you've never worked in a hard place until you worked at our place. Well, your place is not too hard for the Lord. You may think it's hard, but you're not looking from God's eye view. You're looking from your eye view. Let's take a God's eye view on this. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. You may look at your family and say, oh, is this, is this, they're just so far gone. They're just so far down the line. There is nothing too hard. There's no place too hard. There's no promise too hard. There's no prayer too hard. Because the Lord is the answer to every single situation. Keep our eyes on him. You may look at your marriage and say, my marriage is too hard. No. You may have experienced hardship in your marriage. But there's no place too hard for the Lord to deal with. In your marriage, in your family, in your children, in your life. You may, look at, you may look at your heart and you say, I've just got so many hard places in my heart right now. I've been hurt so many times. I've had so many losses in my life and I feel like there's a hard place. Do you know what? The Bible very clearly says he takes away the hard heart and he gives us a heart of flesh. Even what you call hard isn't hard when it comes to God because he can do something with it. Come on, church, just allow God to do something. You know, if you find worship and praise hard, just say to him, Lord, open my eyes that I may see you, that I may encounter you, so that I fall down and worship you. If you find lifting your hands hard, get over yourself and allow yourself to worship him in praise. I remember the very first preach I ever did, I did it on joy. It was 18 pages long. It took 22 minutes to read 18 pages of, of, of writing every single word and speaking every word. I, I spoke it on joy. I didn't I didn't jump in church. I didn't dance in church. I didn't lift my hands. I didn't clap because I, 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 all, all, I never knew where my hands were. And I still don't. My hands go all over the place. And I'm out of time all the time. So please, as a congregation, don't follow my clapping. But help me to clap in tune. 
But do you know what? I, I preached it before I ever became it. You are the best preacher you're ever here. I can preach my heart out every week, but until you convince you of what I teach you, you will never do, never be, never live to the degree that God wants you to because you're the biggest preacher of your life. I, pre- I, pre- I preach until I almost feel like I'm passing out, until I get so lightheaded. I, why, why, why do I do that? Because I'm passionate about his word. I'm passionate of who he is. And I want you to catch what I call that changed my life. The, him who I call, the person of Jesus who I call. He took this man who lived in sin and was shapen in iniquity, and don't look at me so judgmentally, we all were. We were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. We all fell short of the glory of God. And he took this life, and he said, I can fashion you upon the potter's will into a, into a vase, into a vessel that I can use. I was never going to be, I, I would never have been a speaker. I would never have spoken publicly. I would never have spoken in front of people. But God, what have you said in your life that I will never do? But God, I I will never learn a musical instrument. (laughs) But God, I will never get married. But God, I'll never have children. (laughs) But God, I will never, I will never. But God, you've got to bring God into the equation in all that we do. How about the hard part? The hard places of our life. See, hard places happen when we feel let down by others. When others, we begin to carry offense because of what others have said. Or we carry offense with God because he didn't seem to answer or lead me or guide me or do anything for me. Do you know what? We can feel bad about ourselves. We can feel bad about other people. We can feel bad about the church or the pastor because he didn't or shouldn't or he could have done and didn't. And we can feel bad about God. But let's not carry an attitude that takes us away from God when he wants to draw us to him. Never let our heart issues, those areas that we've not dealt with in our life, take us from God. But always allow us to come closer to him. Why? Because there's no place, there's no place that God cannot revive. There is no place, there is no hurt, there is no pain that God can't deal with. I think it's just amazing. Why? Because he is El Shaddai. The God who is more than enough. He is more than enough to heal the pain that you've experienced over the years. He is more than enough. The healing balm of Gilead, let it flow over your life. Let the anointing of God come and minister into those deep-seated regions of your life. You say, you know, we sung a song this morning, no longer haunted by the, the past. Immediately I heard that. I thought of someone in the room and their experience that has potentially haunted them of their past and they're still struggling with it in their today. Let the anointing of God break it, deal with it, and then 
move on with the healing of God in your heart. This is God that we're speaking about. This isn't just you coming to a preach on a Sunday morning and hearing another message. and be the, This is life-changing, church. I've been so excited. Jane, I've been so excited as I prepare these messages. Because God can change lives, hearts, journeys, futures, families, generations, legacies. Once you're gone, what you allow God to do today could change the generation that is yet to come that you've not even seen. Because of your choice to allow God. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He enabled you know, the broken walls of Jerusalem to be rebuilt. That was a hard place. The walls were broken, but God stepped in. He caused the barren lands to, to produce harvest in a time of famine. See, this is, we, 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 we limit God. We limit the Holy One of Israel. The Bible says that, that even they limited the Holy One of Israel. Come on, we can't do that. Let's not behave in the same way, repeat the same things, go around the same mulberry bush. We can't, we've got we've to be a people who say, no, I'm not going to allow the mistakes of the past to keep me going around in circles like the children of Israel for 40 years. It's time to see change and transformation. Listen to this. Isaiah 43, 19. I'm about to do something new. It's beginning to happen even now. Come on, whatever it is in your heart, whatever you need the healing of God to touch, whatever you're, whatever, you can sit here and say, oh, I'm sure that's for somebody else. No, 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 no. God is speaking to you. He's speaking into our lives in this room. This is for us. Allow the healing touch of God to minister into your life. I'm about to do something new. It's beginning to happen even now. Right now, in this room, in your life. Acknowledge that in your heart. Lord, even now. Even now. Even now in my heart. Even now. Let waves of his healing. Let waves of his goodness. Let waves of redeeming time come into your life. Let the waves of God's goodness, it's even happening now. Don't you see it coming? I am going to make a way for you to go through the desert. I will make streams of water in the dry and empty land. Right now in your heart, let the flood, let the river of God, wherever the Bible says, wherever the river went, it brought healing. Wherever that river went, Wherever the, the presence of God is, right now, he brings healing. He brings restoration. He brings hope to the hopeless. He brings future for those who didn't feel that there was a future for them. Right now in this room, let God touch your life. Let him bring rivers in the wilderness of your life. Let the river of God bring healing right now. Right now in your life. Right now. Right now. This is about letting go so God can do something new. Letting go 
of the pain, letting go of that past, letting go of that hurt, letting go of that abuse, letting go of those things that have hurt, and allowing the healing power of God to begin to freshly touch your life. Something so powerful that it's God. Only God can do what man cannot do. Only he can revive places that man would say is impossible. But God. I'm going to take you back into the beginning of the Bible again, to the book of Genesis. And this is the moment when God speaks to Abraham and to Sarah. See, I believe God right now has spoken into many people's lives in this room. Many. There may be others that are sat there and, like Sarah, laughed. I want to take you back to this moment. God said to Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a child. What was Sarah's response? What was Abraham's response? Oh, God, that's so funny. I, I am, I'm 90. My wife is 70. She's been barren all her life. She, um, we're far beyond the age of childbearing. And Sarah laughed. And there are people in this room, you didn't laugh, oh God, you'll never do that for me. But you laugh with a laugh of, I don't think you'll do it for me. I don't think you care about my life. I don't think you care about that situation. But he does. And just as when God spoke to Sarah and to Abraham, and he said, you're going to have a child of your own. Sarah laughed within herself. This is brilliant. God, the omnipotent one, had spoken. Every time I get up and I preach, I believe it's God who gives me the message for you. Otherwise, I'm totally wasting my breath. I sit in my office in total silence. There's not a noise and and I sit there. And I trust God that every time I start to type, that he, the pen, that my fingers, my tongue, will become the pen of a ready writer. And what the Father gives to me, not will I sing it, please, (laughs) but I will speak it into your life and I will download what I believe heaven has given to me to give to you. And this is the word. Remember, there's no place too hard for the Lord. There's no place that the Lord can't revive. Not even the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's a place. The place was Sarah's womb. The womb speaks of new life. The womb speaks of vision. The the womb speaks of future. The womb speaks of so many things, of giving birth to heavenly desires and hopes and dreams the womb speaks of many things here it's speaking of the natural but i believe god is speaking here of the spiritual there are things that you're yet to birth and don't never 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 despise the days of small beginnings never despise the the fact that you may be young or that you may be old or you may be inexperienced if the lord is birthing something in your heart don't laugh let's go back to the tennis 
Emma, I can't say her surname, Emma. She could have turned around and said at 18, never really achieved much, never really done much. Oh, I'm going into these, uh, the, the, the American tennis. Oh, I don't think it happened for me. But there was a self-belief. You've heard her say over and over again, I, I believed I could do something. I believed I could achieve something. Well, let's not go with self-belief. Let's go with God-belief. Let's trust him in the journey of our life. And that is what happened with Sarah. I want to share a scripture with you that I came across in a different, in a New King James translation. Sorry, in a different translation. Let me read this one first. New King James. Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. God then spoke to Sarah and Abraham and said this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It's a great question, isn't it? It's just, it's just such a great question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed, so he's just had Sarah laugh in herself. She's just had Abraham, he's just had Abraham thinking, really? And then God says, is anything too hard for me? At the appointed time, I will return. According to the time of life, and Sarah will have a son. That's how sure God was. This is how sure God is. You open up any scripture that refers to your life. You open up any of the 7,847 promises that relate to your life. You open up the word of God and you begin to start declaring what God's word says and you return his word to him. He said it will not return to you void because it will go forth and accomplish that for which it was sent. He watches over his word to perform it. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return. Nine months. Nine months, Sarah, Abraham, I'm back. Nine months, I give you. Nine months. There was an appointed time. And I shall return. Do you know what? In the process of that nine months, nine months later, she gives birth to Isaac. What does Isaac mean? It means one who laughs, one who rejoices. She laughed at the, at, the, at the hearing that she would be pregnant. And then she names her child the very thing that she did. And every time she looked at him, she was reminded, the promises of God are yes and amen. Yes, the promises of God are yes and amen. Every part of the journey, yes, they are yes and amen. The promises of God are yes. I've seen it before. I'll see it again. This is what anchored Sarah's faith. If you're writing down, make a note of these. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 says this. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. And she tapped into his faithfulness. Three things. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive. She embraced his miracle power to conceive. She embraced it. If you, you know, Jane, come here. You're the only one I can do this to. Mm. <laughs> We're having an embrace. In other words, she clung on. To the promise. She, this is so good. 
cling on to the promises of God's word. Embrace them. Hold on to them. You may go through the valley of the shadow of death, but hold on to the promises. Hold on. Thank you. I could carry on. We could carry on embracing for the whole meeting. That would be so much fun. Maybe we'll do that another week. (laughs) She embraced God's miracle power to conceive. She embraced God's power. She didn't embrace Abraham or Abraham, her husband. She embraced God's miracle power to conceive. That's the first point. Second one is this. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. The authority of her faith didn't rest on her doing something. It didn't rest on her being somewhere. It didn't rest on her doing. It rested on the one who had already spoken. Again, it comes back down to this incredible book. Let's rest on, what does it say? The authority of the one who made the promise. God, you said it. God, you proclaimed it. God, your word says it. I believe it. Because his, she hung on to the promise. She rested in the promise, the one who made the promise. Let's be a people who rests on the one who made the promise. And then... The final thing on these three is she tapped into his faithfulness. He tapped, she tapped in to his faithfulness. What does the Bible say? When we are faithless, he remains faithful. When we blow it, he doesn't. When we make a mistake, He's still there. When we don't do something he asks us to do, he's beckoning us on to do what he's called us to do. He remains faithful when we are faithless. Isn't that incredible? But what did she do? She tapped into it. If you're going to get, I haven't haven't gone down that line. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But if you're going to get maple syrup, out of a maple tree, you tap into it. It's called, I believe it's called tapping into. They make a hole and then they bleed the tree of maple syrup. Anyone, anyone know that? True? I think it's true, isn't it? Yes. They, they, and it's, she, what did she do? She tapped into his faithfulness. Just as you draw maple syrup from a tree by making a hole and allowing it to flow, that is what we do. We tap into God. We allow his faithfulness to flow over our life. That's what Sarah did for her miracle. That's what Sarah did for what was inconceivable, unattainable, unbelievable. Yeah, I could go around the room and say, okay, who's the, who's the same age as Sarah? Who would like to become pregnant? At... 
I don't think there's anyone that would turn around and say at 80, no, no, please don't. She tapped into his faithfulness. Three things to remember. Come on. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive. She placed her authority of her faith and rested in the one who made the promise. And she tapped into his faithfulness. Incredible truths from such a simple passage. Our omnipotent, almighty God breathes life into dead situations. Believe it. He does. I'm going to finish on one last scripture. Let me just scoot up. It's a bit of a random passage, this is. But I hope it shows you something about the miraculous power of God and the anointing that resides because there is nothing and no place too hard for God. All right? I want you to go out into your world this week thinking there's nothing impossible. There's nothing that's unattainable. There is nothing that I believe for that is too big for my God. Second Kings chapter 13, such a random passage of scripture, but it's just a beautiful passage in that sense. And it says this in verse 21, 2 Kings 13, 21. And so it was, as they were burying a man, and we've sung it this morning, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. <laughs> Do you think, what's all that about? The guy's dead. The burial party is out burying him. They spy raiders that are coming to take them on. They think, we better bury him quick. Elisha's grave is here. Let's drop him down into the grave and let's get out of here quick. But as he touched Elisha's bones, see, there is no dead place too big that God can't revive. When, when, Elisha, when, the, when this guy, this dead man, touched Elisha's bones, he jumped up and was alive again. There was residual anointing in the bones of Elisha. There was residual anointing or residual power the power of God was alive even when something looked dead when you're facing dead situations they are not dead and gone they are dead but potential life for the future God is so good God is so good Last thought, remember he, Jesus, is upholding all things by the word of his power. It's not down to us, it's down to him. You may be here today and you, you, yeah, you, may, be, you may be thinking, oh, is this all true? Is this really true? Is this... You may have been questioning your walk with God. You may, have, you may have never really, you may have come to church because you're your parents. You may have done churchy things because it's what you do every Sunday. But, but you've never accepted Jesus 
who upholds all things by the word of it. You may never accepted him in your life. You won't get to heaven because your parents love God. You won't get to heaven because, because your great-grandmother loved God. You've got to love him for who you are. And you've got to accept the work that he's done for you. So I'm going to just pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. And um, at the end of that prayer, I'm just going to ask for a very simple raise of your hand if you prayed it sincerely in your heart. Because this isn't about you, your family, and everybody else. This is about you and God right now. So let's pray. If everyone, everyone could pray and pray out loud, nice and loudly, and repeat after me, that help anybody that may be praying for the very first time. Jesus, I come to you today. And I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes, and that I need you in my life. Today, Jesus, I receive you. I receive the work of the cross. I know you died for me. Today, I want to live for you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today and you want Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to respond by putting up your hand and then popping it down. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer, just give me a wave. Thank you. I see that heart. Is there anybody else in this room this morning? You say, yes. Count me in. Count me in. I don't want to miss this moment. Is there anybody else in this room? You prayed that and you meant it, and you meant it for the very first time. I'm going to count down from five. If that's you, still feel free to put up your hand. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you said there is more rejoicing in heaven over one who gives their life to you. Father, I thank you for the response in this room today to acknowledge you as Lord and Savior of their life. And I pray, Lord, that you would impart and encourage and strengthen and fill and empower their life with the goodness of you and your forgiving power. Lord, we want to give you praise, each and every one of us, for your goodness in this room today. And Father, I do pray for... For, for Sophie, young Sophie of 10 years old, who's struggling with cancer at this time. Father, we know after what we've just said, nothing is too hard for you. No place, no person, no promise, no sickness, no disease, no cancer is too great for you. So Father, we turn our eyes to you. And Father, we hold on to your promise and on to your word. Father, we speak over her life, Lord, the healing power of almighty God that your touch upon her life will be her portion and father that you will turn the circumstances around Jesus you are us you're you're our savior you're our healer you're our provider in Jesus name we release you to move in power in Jesus name amen amen